Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the story of David and Goliath, and I'm going to preach that story to you, maybe at a little different angle than maybe you've heard before. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this at the top of your notes. I want you to write the phrase, the power of yes. The power of yes. We're starting 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 17, and this is what it says. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to your captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report of how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Verse 20, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed them. And so this is the beginning of the story. We all know how the story ends, right? David shows up, he sees Goliath, he challenges Goliath. He's got a sling and a stone, Goliath falls. It's an amazing story. We love to talk about that story, giants falling. But I love how this story starts. This story starts with a simple command from the father. And David is there and he just gets this simple command and he just says, yes. And the next thing he knows, he's fighting a giant. See, David had no idea that a giant was awaiting him. David had no idea what was going to happen the rest of that day. All he knew was the father told him to do something, so he said yes. So you never know how far your yes can go. You never know what God can do with your yes. I'll say it this way. Our small acts of obedience lead to great moves of God. I'll say it again. Small acts of obedience lead to great moves of God. You see, if we're honest, we all want to be in a great move of God. Right? We all want to be that person who fights a giant and the giants fall. We all want to be in the miraculous move that God's doing. We all want to be in the middle of the miracle. But what happens to get here, it all starts with just a small yes. It all starts with a small act of obedience. If we're ever going to get somewhere where God's doing something miraculous, then it starts with our yes. And so we've got to be faithful with the yes that God's given us. And if we know that if God's given us a yes, then it leads to something greater, we have to make sure that we're in position to say yes. We don't want to miss out on what God's doing. We don't want to miss out on the giant. We want to say yes to what God's doing. I remember in my life, I had just gone on a mission trip with Pastor David to Kenya. And he's Pastor Papa Dave over there who's kind of led the way to Kenya. We were on a mission trip and I kind of got to meet Pastor David for the first time and He's like, hey, when we get back, I want you to be part of the baptism team. Okay. He's like, just meet me on Sunday when we get back. Just come find me. So I came and found him after the nine o'clock service. Like, hey, what's up? He's like, I want you to be a part of the baptism team. I need you to go up and you go up in that baptismal. I need you to help people down the stairs. Because here's the thing. There's like six steps in the baptismal, but you can only see like five. And if you miss the sixth step, you baptize yourself. Then that's just not good. It's on camera. It's just not good. And so they got to have someone there to kind of help people in. And he was like, can you do that? And I was like, sure, I got nothing better to do. Yeah, I'd love to. That's great. And, and I remember that, yes, because after that, I, I, got, I joined the baptism team, started coming every time they had a baptism. From that, I started serving in men's ministry. And then it started leading a table, started leading a small group. And I look at my life now and what I get to do and what God's done in my life. And I trace it all the way back to that simple yes 
saying yes to be on the baptism team. So you never know what God can do through your yes. And we don't want to miss what God is going to do through us. So I want to talk to you about tonight is just how do we position ourselves in the right place? How do we be the right person to make sure that we don't miss our yes? The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing we have to do is we got to be humble. We got to be humble. See, our our story starts in chapter 17, but if you read chapter 16, that's the story of where David gets anointed king. So David is anointed, you know the story. Samuel comes out and he's been told by God that a son of Jesse is gonna be king. So he goes to Jesse's house and he starts asking, hey, your son's gonna be king, where are your sons? And Jesse starts kind of putting all his sons, hey, here's my firstborn, all this. And Samuel goes down the line, says, no, God's saying no to that, God's saying no to that. He gets to the last one and says, do you have any more sons? And then Jesse's like, oh, wait, there's that, there's that David guy. He's, he's out, in the, out in the sheep field. I guess we'll call him in. And so he gets called in and Samuel goes, yes, that, that's, that's the guy. That's the Lord's anointed. He anoints him and he's gonna be the future king of Israel. And then we fast forward a little later, we find that David is still kind of in the sheep pen. He's still a shepherd for his father's house. And then his dad who didn't even really remember him, asked him to bring bread and cheese to his brothers who probably dislike him because he's anointed king and they're not. And then and David's like, I'm the anointed king. If anyone had a right in the Bible to say, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. It, it was David. He could have easily said, no, dad, I'm not gonna bring bread and cheese to my brothers. It's actually them that should be bringing bread and cheese to me. I'm the anointed king. I should be in the palace. I should be the one getting this. David had all the right to say these things, but instead he just looked at his father and said, whatever you ask, whatever you ask. See, if we're going to say yes to the things of God, we have to have a whatever the father asks attitude. We have to have this attitude of God, whatever you put in front of me, no matter how big or how small, we have to have that attitude. Because here's the thing, we all deal with pride. Pride is the first thing the devil wants to use to stop us from saying yes. And pride comes in many forms and fashions. You might look at the the task that God's put in front of you and say, no, someone else needs to do that. I'm too good for that. Or maybe it's, I'm trying to do my own thing, God. Someone else has to take care of that. I'm I'm taking care of me. Pride can come in all sorts and fashions. But if we're going to see God do the extraordinary, if we're going to see these great moves of God, then we've got to be humble and have this whatever the Father asks mentality. You know, when I first came on staff here, I was Pastor David's assistant. And I'll just be honest, is it okay to be real in church? Okay to be real in church? When I first came into ministry, I had no idea what being in ministry was. I had my own crazy idea of what I thought ministry was, and I was wrong. I was so full of pride. I was like, I am the Lord's anointed. God has appointed me here. I'm going to do signs and wonders. This is, I'm just, I am this. I am all that. And I was not. I'm still not, I'll never be, because it's about Jesus. But I just had this warped mentality of what it meant to be in ministry. And I'll never forget, Pastor David asked me to do a task, and it was not a task that I wanted to do. I was gonna be by myself for a long period of time doing this task, and this gave me plenty of time to talk to, the, to, talk to God. And I wasn't very nice in my talking to God. You ever had an argument with God? It never goes well, does it? It's never in your favor. And so I'm just talking to God and I'm just mad. And I'm like, God, this is not what I signed up for. 
I did not sign up to do this. God, I just, why am I even here? Like I could be doing something else. Why have you even put me here? I don't want to do this. And then I started blaming God. I said, God, you gave me gifts. You gave me talents. I'm not even using this stuff. Trying to like blame God like it was his fault. And I'll, and I'll never forget what God said to me. I'll, I'll remember it every day of my life. He said, if you don't understand the importance of this task, you have no business in my kingdom. I know. Imagine hearing that. And I was just like, well, but he, here's, here's, the, here's what I learned that day. Here, here's the thing I learned that day. And I have to remind myself daily because I'm not there yet. I still struggle with pride. I still have to convince myself. I wish I could tell you that I always choose humility. It's not true. But here's what I learned that day is there are no unimportant and insignificant tasks in the kingdom. There is nothing that is unimportant and insignificant if the father gives it to you to do. If God has assigned you to do it, it doesn't matter what the world says about it. It's important to God. It's important to his house. It's important to his heart. Because the world, it doesn't understand. It doesn't, it's going to say, hey, that's beneath you. Why, would you. why would you give up your Saturday and go to Hams or Fams when you could be tailgating? That's, let somebody else do that. You don't need to do that. Why would you do all these things? You've got, you've got so much more to do. That's, that's so beneath you. Why would you stand at a door and greet anybody? That's beneath you. But if it's important to God, it's important. If God assigns it to you, it's important. And we have to have this understanding that if God asks us to do anything, no matter what it is, it is a privilege. If it's assigned by God, it doesn't matter what it looks like in the world, if it's lowly in the world or if it's high in the world. If God assigned it, it is a privilege that he would even think about us to do it. If God asked me to do something, I am just honored that he would ask me to do it. It doesn't matter what it is. And so if we have this mentality of God, whatever it takes, I'll do it. Then we'll, we'll end up where God wants us. And I think about David because, again, David's the anointed king, right? David is the rightful heir to the throne. And so if I'm David, I'm probably thinking, how do I get to the palace? How, how do I end up at the palace? How do I end up where this is all supposed to happen? And if you read David's story, Goliath was really kind of the, the turning point in his life where he kind of starts down that journey. Now it's a long journey and it involves Saul trying to kill him in some caves, but it's really the thing that starts the journey for him to go into the palace. And so I think of this, it started with a simple task of bread and cheese and it ends up leading him to the palace years later. But wonder if he would have said, I'm above bread and cheese, I'm destined for the palace. He might have missed the very thing that God was trying to use to get him to his destiny. I think one of the hardest things in life is to know what God has anointed you for and appointed you for and given you the gifts and talents to be and not be there yet. Because what happens is when you know what God's doing, you sometimes spend so much time trying to get there, you miss the God things that are right here and right now. You miss the things that God's trying to do in your life right here and right now. And so, and I feel like there's some people in here, you know what you're called to. You know what God has for you. And I feel like I'm here to say, be faithful with what he's put in your hands. Be faithful with the simple yes, because it may be the very thing that leads you on your destiny. The thing you're striving and trying to get to, that simple yes you've been avoiding, that's probably gonna be, be the thing that catapults you in your destiny. If, we're just, if we would just be humble, God, whatever you ask, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. 
then God will use that in ways we can never imagine. And then God will bring us into a place and we'll find ourselves in front of a giant and we'll go, how did I get here? Man, it's the faithfulness of God. It is the faithfulness. Number one, we got to be humble. Number two, write this down. Be mindful of haters. Be mindful of haters. We'll jump down to verse 26. David asked a soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. Verse 28, but when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and deceit. You just want to see a battle. You know, David shows that he's just, he's just being humble. He's just saying yes to what God has and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then his brother just starts saying stuff, man. He insults his job. He insults his heart. He just starts insulting him. And if I'm David, David's way more like Jesus than I am because if I'm David, I'm like, yeah, you can worry about this yourself. I'm going back home. You can deal with this. I'll remember this when I'm king. Like that's, I, that's the attitude I would have. But David didn't take care to the haters. He, he didn't say, oh, he didn't let what was in his ear, those haters in his ear stop him from his destiny. See, that there will always be haters on your road to what God's doing. For every yes God puts in front of you, there will always be a hater because there's always people in the world that have no idea about the kingdom. See, there's kingdom principles and the world just doesn't get it. You know, the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's, that's kingdom. But what the world says, if you're not first, you're last and you need to do anything you can to get to first. And it doesn't matter what you do or who you sell out, just become first. It doesn't understand kingdom. The Bible says give and it will be given to you. The world says keep and then use what you keep to bless you. Just keep. They don't understand kingdom. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The world says, hey, Take care of yourself, only worry about yourself. And if you get yourself into a good enough place, then you can worry about other people, but not until you get to yourself to a good place. See, there'll always be haters because the world doesn't understand the kingdom. The world has no idea what God's trying to do. So it'll look down and say, man, what, this, is, this is dumb. What do you mean you're gonna take a week of vacation, hard earned vacation, and use it for a mission trip? Man, why don't you go to the beach? Go, what do you... What are you doing? What do you mean you're going to use your hard-earned money and sacrificially give in 320? Well, that doesn't make any sense. There will always be haters because they'll never understand the kingdom. And so we've got to learn to silence the haters. And you know how we silence haters? Wise counsel. See, there's haters and then there's wise counsel. And here's the difference. See, haters don't care about you. Haters only care about themselves. They only care about their own agenda. They're selfish. They're prideful. All they care is about themselves. Wise counsel cares about you. They care about what you're doing. They care about what Jesus is doing in you. And most often they care more about what God's trying to do in you than even do about themselves. We got to have wise counsel in our lives. I have a group of guys that I meet with on a regular basis and that we bounce ideas off each other. We talk about struggles. We talk about things that we're doing. We talk about, hey, this is what God's leading me to do. And they're able to uh, encourage me. They're able to say, hey, yeah, that is God. You should say yes. Because the haters are going to say, hey, don't do that. Doesn't make any sense. You need to go home. Go, go worry about your sheep. 
But wise counsel will say, hey, no, you need to step out in faith. They'll encourage you. When it gets hard, they're gonna be the ones that say, hey, you can keep going. You can keep doing this. You can keep moving on. God's got you. They're there for you. But listen, wise counsel also has the ability to call you out. Anybody got some people that'll call you out? I got some people in my life, they don't care. They'll just call me out. They just say, hey, that's dumb. Don't do that. Okay. See, wise counsel will also has the ability to look at what you're doing and say, hey, that's not God. And listen, this is important. Just because it doesn't agree with you doesn't mean it's a hater. Just because the information that comes in says, hey, what you're doing is wrong, we can't just look at our wise counsel and say, oh, no, you're just hating. Oh, no, you're just hating. This is, I want to do it my way. We got to have the ability to be called out and say, okay, no, okay, you're right. This is, this is wrong. I, I need to check my motives. I am being a little prideful. Thank you. We have to have the ability, to, we have to give these people the ability to call us out. But we got to have wise counsel. Because if not, we'll, we'll listen to the haters too much and we'll let the world dictate what we do. We'll, we'll give in to what the culture says. We'll give in to what the world says. If we don't have wise counsel in our ears, then all we'll hear is what the world is saying and we'll end up going on the wrong path that God has for us. And we can't let the world and these haters make us miss the yes God's put in front of us. We can't let what these people who don't care about you, don't let people who don't care about you dictate your life. They don't have any right to dictate your life. They don't care about you. Don't go to them for advice. Go to people who care about you, who love you, who want the best for you. We gotta silence the haters and listen to wise counsel. First, we gotta be humble. We gotta be mindful of the haters. Third thing, write this down. Be yourself. Be yourself. We'll skip down to verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. See, this is a pivotal moment in this story because David's gone to Saul and says, hey, let me fight. And Saul's like, no, you're a child. And David's like, I've killed a bear, I've killed a lion. And Saul's like, okay, you can go, but only if you go like me. You can go, but only if you look like me. And David tries all this stuff on and he's like, this, this isn't me. And I'm thankful that David had the sense to go and get a stone and a sling and say, no, I'm a shepherd. I'm a shepherd and I know how to sling a stone and that's what God's gonna use. See, when God asks us to say yes, there's always the temptation to not be yourself. There's always a temptation to not go as yourself. And the, the things that fight against most about being yourself are comparison and insecurity. Looking around at other people and being insecure. And a lot of it sounds like, I can't do, God, I can't do what you're asking me to do because I'm not good enough to do it. David could have easily said, you know what? He could have put those clothes on and realized he's not a warrior and then had the revelation that says, you know, I'm just a shepherd and a shepherd can't beat a giant. It's so easy. The devil loves to chirp in our ears and say, hey, God's called you to this. And you'd be like, oh, you can't do that. The devil wants to say, hey, you're not good enough to do that. You're not good enough to go on that. You're not good enough to, to preach. You're not, you're not good enough to do these things. You don't know enough Bible. You don't pray enough. You don't do all this stuff. They wanna, he wants to take that from you and make you miss 
your yes. And I can remember in my life, I've been a part of this church, like Pastor Mike said, I've been part of church for 23 years. I grew up in this church. And I remember watching great men and women get on this stage and just preach and teach and do all these things and to missionaries and evangelists and just tell all these stories about all these amazing things that God is doing. And I was like, man, that's amazing. I'm so glad they're doing it because I can never do that. I'm so glad God called someone because it couldn't be me. And I, I remember my junior year of high school, I had this moment where all of a sudden, like for the first time in my life, I felt like God kind of mentioned the word ministry to me. It's like, hey, you might want to go do ministry. I think I've called you to that. And I was like, you didn't, you're wrong. <laughs> and I just remember looking out because I, I looked at those people and I looked at me and I said, I don't measure up. I don't measure up to what those people are doing. God, you can't use me. And that's the... That's the fight we have to take is, God, you can't use me. That's what the devil wants you to believe is that God can't use you for whatever reason. But I'll tell you this, God has positioned you in the perfect place with the right gifts, the right talents, the right people around you in the right time. God has positioned you perfectly to say yes to whatever he's put in your life. God has positioned you perfectly. You have everything you need to walk out that yes. You have everything you need. You know, Pastor Mike was talking about Hands for Fams, and really, you should sign up. It is, it's amazing. But on the same day we do Hands for Fams, we have a outreach, a cancer outreach, that they go and they take turkeys and baskets to families who are affected by cancer. And you get the names from the hospital. They gather on the same day. They gather here, and then they go out on this outreach. And last year, we had a volunteer go on this outreach for the first time. She had just gone through next steps, decided to get on the cancer ministry, served in the hospitals for a little bit and was, got an email about serving on this day. And she said, yes. Again, we're talking about the power of your yes and being yourself. So she shows up, she gets the turkey, gets the basket, gets the address and she goes on her way. She gets there, she delivers, she starts talking to the lady. And while she's talking to this precious lady who's in need, she realizes there's no furniture in the house. There's none. Actually, the only piece of furniture that's in the house is a bed that her daughter and the person sleep on. That's it. They don't even have a shower curtain. And so she starts talking to the lady like, hey, what's, what's up? You don't have any furniture. What, what, what's the problem? And the lady began to tell her, it's like when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had to quit my job. And when I had to quit my job, I couldn't afford rent in my apartment. So I took all my stuff and I put it in a storage unit and I moved in with some friends. But the chemotherapy took longer than I thought. And I was out of work too long. And I couldn't pay the storage unit note. And so the storage unit sold off all my stuff. And so when chemotherapy ended, she was able to get back into an apartment with her daughter, but she had nothing. All she had was a mattress on the floor. Again, we're talking about being yourself and that God has positioned you in the right place. The volunteer, watch this. The volunteer just happened to be a real estate agent. She happened, again, I say happen in quotation marks because God doesn't, like God was in control of this. She happened to be selling a house for a family whose mom had just died of old age. And her mom had one request. This mom had one request before she died. She said, daughter family, hey, you can come to my house, take whatever you want, but don't sell my stuff. Give it to someone in need or to a charity. So she is in the process of selling this house. So she just steps outside and makes a phone call and says, hey, I have a lady with no furniture. Could we take all this furniture and give it to her? The family's like, sure. 
And so she calls the church, we get a U-Haul, we get some guys, we go, we load up uh, this U-Haul, we go, we give this lady two bedroom sets, full complete bedroom sets for her and her daughter. We give her a couch, we give her a kitchen table, a full living room, a dining room set, and a china cabinet, come on somebody. China cabinet. That lady didn't need a pastor. That lady didn't need probably anybody in this room. That lady needed a volunteer who was selling a house. God has positioned you in the right place. You have everything you need to be used by God. You don't look at what you're not. God doesn't want to use what you're not. He wants to use what you are. He doesn't care about what you don't have. He only cares about what you have. If you'll just give God what you have, then God can do what he does with it. Don't tell God what you're not and what you don't have. Just give him what you have. I think, I think about the boy with the five loaves and the two fish. That can't feed 5,000 people. If someone came in here with five loaves of bread and a couple of baskets of catfish, how many know there's a lot of people gonna be hungry? But when you give it to Jesus, when you give it to Jesus, all of a sudden this sack lunch feeds 5,000 people and has 12 baskets left over. Don't tell God what you don't have, just give God what you have. If you'll just be yourself, you don't need to be anybody else. God doesn't want to use, any, he wants to use you. Where you are, with the people that you are with, with the circumstances that you have. You say, Dan, I'm, I'm not there yet. That's a good thing to say. If you say, hey, I don't have enough, I'm not good enough, that's great. That means you need God. If you say, hey, I'm not good enough to fight this task, that means God's got to show up. David wasn't good enough to beat a giant, but you know what he told the giant? Hey, I come with, to you in the name of the Lord. He didn't say, I come with you with armor. I, no, I come with you in the name of the Lord, and that's all you need. See, God wants to use you. All you have to do is let him. All he needs is your surrender. All he needs is your humility. All he needs is you just to say yes. Stop telling God that you can't do what he's placed in front of you and just step out and see what he does. We'll be humble. We'll be mindful of haters. We'll be ourselves. And the last thing we'll do is we'll be courageous. We'll be courageous. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistines, you come with me sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. And I'm not gonna lie, if I'm David, and I'm standing in front of Goliath. Goliath's a big man. You read in this chapter how much weight he carries in all his shield and his stuff. He is a large, very strong man, trained from birth to be a warrior. And he starts coming at David. I'm running the other way. David ran at him. He just takes off running. Sees Goliath, takes a sling, and just runs crazy just runs and we know how the story ends Goliath falls and here's what I want to end with sometimes 
the yes is bigger than you. And the last thing the devil will use is fear. Watch this. This is how the devil works. He starts with pride. If he can't get you with pride, he'll move on to haters. If he can't get you with haters, he'll move on to comparison insecurity. And if those things don't stop you, the last thing he's coming with you against is fear. To say, hey, you can't do this. This is all the reasons this is going to go wrong. This is all the reasons that you can't do this. But here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. If you find yourself on the edge of a yes and you are scared to do it, let me tell you, if God brings you in front of a giant, the only result is that giant's going to fall. There's only one thing that can happen. If God leads you in front of a giant, he says, hey, take on that giant. Only one outcome can happen, and that's that the giant falls. It doesn't matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how scary the giant is. It doesn't matter how trained the giant is. It doesn't matter how weak you are or what you don't have. If he puts you in front of a giant, the only outcome that happens is the giant falls. That's it. So we just have to be courageous. The devil wants to grip you with fear and fear paralyzes you. Fear keeps you still and God's telling you, run. If you'll just run at it, if you'll just take what I put in your hands and if you'll just run at it, watch, watch as I make the giant fall. A sling and a stone and Jesus and a giant fell. I believe there's people in here tonight and your yes doesn't seem like a bread and cheese kind of yes. Your yes seems like a charge a giant kind of yes. I just want to encourage you, just start running. If you'll just start running, the giant's going to fall because he has to fall. And it won't be because of you, won't be because of your skill, won't be because of what you have. It'll be because God's on your side because he doesn't put you in front of a giant and leave you. He's in front of you. He's the one running in front of you. I promise you can't outrun God. You can start running that giant, but you know who's going to get to that giant first? Jesus. You're not going to beat Jesus to that giant, and he's going to make it fall. You won't even get to him before he falls. All you got to do is start running. If we're humble, if we're mindful of haters, if we'll just be ourselves and let God to use what we have, and if we'll just step out in courage, I promise you God will do miraculous things in our lives. And the great thing about it is at the end of the day, when we stand over the giant that's fallen, there'll be only one thing to say, and it'll be, look what God has done. Look what Jesus has done. It won't be, look at me, because you'll know it. It's not you. You can't kill a giant. And everybody will look and see, just like David said, everyone's going to know that the Lord rescues his people. Everyone's going to know that the Lord fights their battles. When you charge that giant, everyone's going to know the Lord fights your battles, that he is on your side. And the great thing about it is when your giant falls, not only does it affect you, it affects everybody around you. That giant fall and affected all of Israel. All of Israel was able to defeat the Philistine army in that moment because David stood up to his giant. It doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. I'm here to tell you, God wants to use you. All you gotta do is say yes. I don't know what that yes is, It could be simple. It could be going through next steps, getting on an outreach team, getting on a weekend team, or it could be something bigger like starting your own business, writing a book. I don't know what your yes is, but you know what your yes is. And God's just asking you tonight, will you say yes? Will you say yes to what I put in front of you and watch what I will do? Thank you for listening. 
take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.